0: Hello and welcome to the official Man City podcast, I'm your host Rob Pollard and on this episode we are going to be hearing from the Man City chairman, Kaldun Al Mabarak. Kaldun sits down at the end of every season with editor-in-chief Chris Bailey and it's one of the interviews I look forward to the most. Chris Bailey doesn't pull any punches with his questions and Kaldun never shirks an issue and the chairman speaks with such clarity and passion I always come away feeling really enthused about the season to come. So we thought it'd be a good idea to put the full interview in podcast form. So here it is, the Chairman's Interview 2020.
1: Chairman, thanks for joining us. Uh, one of the more complicated interviews that we've done. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll get through it. Um, I'm sure we'll have as much uh, as fun as we, as we normally do. It's great to see you anyway, even from this distance. Can we start with an overview of the season? How do you assess the season on the pitch? Was the Caribou Cup enough of a return for you?
2: Well, you know, Chris, it's been a very long season. We started last August. It's been a year. Over the years, we've had many you know, ups and downs and many, many challenging seasons. But I think like this one is, is unique in its nature. Starting first with uh, winning the, the Community Shield. Then the number of very uh, important injuries that we've had to deal with then you talk about uh, dealing with the uefa situation very challenging situation that the, the club had to deal with throughout the season we've had some management changes mid-year which were disruptive uh, and then we've had COVID, unprecedented in the na- nature of uh, of that challenge and then the period where we had to stop and then come back and then we start you know when i look back in terms of results now um, are the results satisfying the answer is of course not i mean we always look for uh, finishing the season uh, with success in uh, as many competitions as possible. The Premier League obviously being uh, the primary one, uh, but of course also the Champions League and of course both uh, cup competitions. Winning the Carabao Cup uh, in addition to the community shield that we started with is is I think very good. Making it to the semi-finals of um, of the FA Cup Okay, but not good enough. And now to the two big ones. First, the Premier League, no doubt. Second is not what we uh, uh, what we look for. Uh, we always like to uh, to win the competition. That's what we. That is our objective. Uh, that is our target uh, every year. And uh, we came short. I think credit to the champions. They are well deserved uh, champions. But from our perspective, uh, finishing second and and finishing with the number of points between us. Is, is not something that uh, that will satisfy us and, and, of course, will make us hungrier. And in the Champions League, again, our objective is to win that competition. It's very simple, and that is what we try to do every year. So I think overall, given everything I've described, given the nature of the season, the challenges across the board, which is, by the way, you know, uh, most teams have faced, or if not all teams have faced challenges, I think for us, you know, it leaves us with some disappointment, but also a lot of positives uh, to build on.
1: Pep in an interview not long ago said, and I I think I'm quoting here, the chairman isn't happy with me over the results in the Champions League. One, is that correct? And two, how do you explain not getting past the quarterfinals in four tries?
2: You know, me and Pep uh, have something very uh, important in common. Uh, We both hate losing. Uh, and don't take it uh, lightly. And uh, and I think on this, both of us share the same level of uh, of disappointment. Uh, we had a great opportunity this year, um, and the same as the last couple of years. I think when it comes to the Champions League, you know, in a in a cup competition, um, it's always challenging because you're playing these uh, the, uh, at these stages, quarterfinals. Uh, uh, round of 16, and it's uh, it boils down to to two games, and in this case, it boiled down to one game, given the the nature of uh, the Le- uh, the Champions League this year. And you have to deliver, and um, unfortunately, this year we 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 missed it. We're equally upset with that uh, result because we knew uh, this was a great opportunity for us to go uh, to the semifinals, and and a great opportunity this year, this past season, to actually win this competition. And we have to be uh, able to look back at that uh, experience, um, take the learnings, uh, go back to the drawing board and uh, and make sure we're ready next year to give it another shot uh, and go on for, uh, and try to win it. I was going to say that there's no danger that the, the
1: quest to win in Europe becomes something of a, a, an all encompassing quest to the detriment of, of other competitions. The, the the priorities will lie in the same places this season?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's that we've been very consistent on that, Chris. Uh, the domestic league uh, comes first. That is the foundation for everything. The success in winning the Premier League uh, is what breeds success in every other competition. So that is always going to be the foundation. And we've been, I think, very successful in the, in the uh, domestic cup competitions. But uh, we have not been able yet to crack uh, the Champions League. But we'll crack it we will crack it. Uh, we'll find a way and I have the highest confidence really in, uh, in everyone in, in our club uh, and our ability to, uh, to learn uh, and continue to improve.
1: I know, I know you don't like talking about individuals too much but how much pleasure did the emergence of Phil Phone give you as a regular starter this season?
2: You know Chris with, with Phil it's always special for me because I remember very well uh, back in um, probably 2010. I was at the at the Academy and I was speaking to uh, to Brian Marwood back then. I was asking him about the talent I always like to um, uh, to know about uh, how the Academy is doing and how the different age groups doing and then where is the talent and who to look who to look out for. So I remember distinctly this conversation um, with with Brian and he pointed out a player. He was nine years old back then uh, from Stockport. Phil Foden. And he pointed it out to me. We, we had a nice discussion. And then that's it. It stayed in my, uh, uh, in my head. And uh, I remember over the years, whenever I'm in the academy, whenever I'm, I'm um, always asking the question, how's he doing? How's he developing? Brian had a very clear, almost prophetic uh, view of how Phil was going to evolve and what he was, was going to become over the years, given the talent that, that he saw. And watching it actually play out you know, over the last almost 10 years is, is very fulfilling. And uh, certainly I'm very proud of what Phil has accomplished so far. Many coaches have uh, have helped him through this journey. Um, Brian, of course, uh, in the beginning and, and Cheeky uh, on, the, on, on the football direction side, uh, but most importantly on the coaching side. And now over the last couple of years uh, under the stewardship of, uh, of Pep, he is really blossomed. It's very promising. I think we have a very special player here. And more importantly, he's uh, he's got the right mentality. And I think this is what's going to make him, hopefully, what we all expect him to be, uh, uh, a very important player for this club.
1: Before we leave the, the, the football side of it, uh, per se, I mean, we touched on this before in conversation. And finally, last weekend, in the wake of the disappointment of the Champions League, it was great to see uh, Kevin De Bruyne become... Premier League Player of the Season. It was it was lost a little bit in the noise of, of the Leon game. But how how much of a leader for the team has he become, and how pleased were you for Kevin that he that he got that individual award?
2: I was very pleased, Chris. Very very pleased because it is so well deserved. It was it was a combination of being pleased but also relieved. Uh, I was worried uh, because we've seen it in the past, unfortunately, with some of the City players, them being overlooked for this. Very important um, award, and I was worried that Kevin would be overlooked this year, and and uh, because he, in my view, it's uh, it was unquestionable. Uh, my vote was clear. Obviously, it's uh, subjective given uh, who he plays for, but uh, Kevin is the best player in the league this year. He's uh, he's been become a an important leader uh, of this group. Uh, he is really the future uh, of Manchester City.
1: I guess, I guess leaders uh, in football, as in business, come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, don't they? There are you know, some inspired by the way they do, some inspired by the what they say. I mean, Kevin's quite a shy and quite a quiet lad, but I guess he leads by example. Um, is that how you see him?
2: Absolutely. He's what you see on the pitch. Uh, the work ethic, uh, the discipline, uh, the hard work, uh, and then the quality. Everything you see on the pitch is is, is Kevin. Uh, but at the same time, he's uh, understated, he's a leader, and all the players uh, look up to him and see him as, as that. So I think we're very lucky to have Kevin.
1: The transfer window is uh, a bit different this year, and we've already done two pieces of business in, in Ake and Torres. Um, has the pandemic caused a rethink on, on how much business we'll do this summer?
2: I mean, you have to take that into consideration. uh, And that's part of that uh, sensibility uh, that we have, approach that we have to take. But at the same time, you know, my comment and my position is clear. We don't take a one year view. We take a three, five, 10 year view. And uh, when you look at um, what changes or improvements we have to make to the squad, you know, we're going to make them when it comes to the two acquisitions we've made. Ake and Ferran uh, Torres, we moved quickly, clearly these were our targets and when the opportunity came we were able to come in very quickly and swiftly and do that business. Uh, there are additional uh, players that we will be uh, bringing in and uh, and we will stick to the plan within the realities of the, of the market uh, that we live in today.
1: I mean that's interesting news for the fans that there will be, be more people coming in but is it a rebuild or is it a recalibration of the squad?
2: You know, I don't like to use the words, these words, Uh, at the end of the day, you know, every year we will see ultimately uh, what the manager uh, needs. The work of the summer doesn't start now. We've been working uh, for months in terms of clearly identifying uh, the areas of weakness, the areas that we need to improve and strengthen. And, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's an iterative process. And I, I know you're
1: not going to tell many names, but uh, what, what type of player, well, you can if you want, but what <laughs> type of player in terms of age and profile are we looking for?
2: Well, listen, Chris, if you look at the acquisitions we've made over the last couple of years, there's a consistency in terms of the type of player that we have targeted, uh, the age and quality. Um, so we will continue down that road. In that for the first team in that 20 to 25 year old category, that's kind of the, the, the spot that we like. Uh, but at the, at the same time, you know, I always, the reason why I don't like to box myself with this answer, uh, because sometimes opportunities come up that fit within what the manager wants and with, with what we need for the squad that might be out of that box. So nothing is set in stone. We have clearly uh, a set of targets that, that are well-defined. But at the same time, we're pragmatic enough to, uh, to take the opportunity if that opportunity comes up. And this is the bit, I think, um,
1: of the interview where the fans are probably uh, looking forward to the most. Um, is the result from the, from the UEFA charge and the CAS appeal? Um, it's obviously the big question, uh, Chairman, um, the UEFA finding and the subsequent CAS appeal. How do you feel now it's over successfully? Uh, and what's your general take on the whole situation now it's over
2: well you know Chris we've talked about this last year and uh, I've always been um, relaxed about it because I'm, I'm confident in uh, in uh, in obviously what we've done and I'm, and I'm confident that in a in a good process and uh, a fair process uh, you know the truth will prevail but what I was most concerned about uh, was the, the distraction that this was uh, putting upon uh, all of us uh, and the team specifically. Uh, because at the end of the day, all I really care about is going back to what we do best, which is playing football. Uh, that's the focus. It's about playing football, it's about you know running our business, uh, it's about pushing forward and really having that focused approach uh, on that and not having any distractions. Uh, and that's really the most important thing uh, that I'm happy with right now is we can keep the distraction now behind us and and go back to focusing on uh, what we do best.
1: Even so though have you been disappointed by the reaction I guess to the to the verdict from certain people I'm not going to name them and I know you're not going to do but people listening to this interview will make their own minds up. Um, I mean there's certainly been some whispering going on in some quarters and and another, some rather louder criticism. So, what's your response to that?
2: I'm not surprised, Chris. Uh, I think football has taught me a lot. One of the m- most important things I've learned is not never to be surprised. In terms of the whispering and the, you know, I think one thing I've never done is talk about other clubs' business. It's not for me, and it's not for this club. Uh, we're bigger than this, and we just won't do it. And I won't, do it. uh, they can say whatever they want to say. I'm going to focus about talking about our business at the end of the day. I understand, you know, there's people that don't like us. There's clubs that don't like us. I understand it's a, it's, it's a competition. Sports uh, are very competitive. And, uh, I think what this, the team has done and what this organization has done is to disrupt football and the way it was both played and conducted uh, from a business perspective, uh, over the last 12 years we've we've disrupted that and always when you do such a disruption uh, you're gonna have a lot of people that uh, don't agree with it and i understand you know that's uh, that's the nature of the beast uh, it won't uh, change the, the way we run things we're just gonna keep looking forward his highness uh, sheikh Mansour is a very sensible forward-looking individual and i think his leadership with this and his clarity in terms of guidance to me over the years, has helped me, you know, take the the approach and the, uh, let's say the uh, the relaxed mode that you see me in right now, because you know that's you know when you are comfortable in, in what you think and what you feel and where you're going, you know it it's, it it helps you uh, it helps you have that clarity.
1: In in that sense, what are the hopes for future relations between between City and UEFA? Are they are they damaged or or is it now done finished done and a and, and, and new era
2: you know chris life is too short to uh, to carry grudges you know it is an important competition it is one of the most prestigious competition in the world of sports and it's a competition we want to win and it's a competition we have to respect in order for us to win it this was a challenge it's behind us and the story as far as i'm concerned i'm now just focused on how to help this club compete in this competition and win it, and have how to have a constructive relationship uh, with UEFA. I think that's the only way to go.
1: If we can uh, just leave football on the pitch for a while and and turn to something you mentioned earlier, the the pandemic COVID, which has hit your country um, badly, hit our country badly, hit the whole world badly. Uh, How do you think Manchester City have coped with it and how proud of you were for you of the response of the club to the crisis? I don't mean in terms just of getting football up and running again, but also in terms of helping um, authorities and local communities.
2: Very proud. I think from from donating the uh, uh, the Etihad Stadium uh, to the health services uh, in Manchester, uh, which to this day continues to be used by them, and uh, that part, you know, we we put it with immense pride. Everybody involved with, with the club everyone pitched in from donating uh, to the food bank uh, the commitments of our players uh, you know our our young lads in the academy writing letters to some of the people that have been affected uh, by the pandemic i'm very uh, very proud of uh, everyone uh, at the club everyone at the group in manchester uh, in new york in china in you know from east to west uh, our operations all over the world australia uh, we've um, we've worked out as as a team. We work closely with the community, uh, each respective community that uh, we that we are part of. I think we delivered what we can, and that's going to continue to be the case. This COVID is not has not ended. It will continue to be a challenge, uh, and we will continue to do right by everyone to our people, our fans, our players, uh, our employees everywhere. Uh, and all the stakeholders that, that that we work with.
1: Have any projects been put on hold during, because of the pandemic or during the pandemic that I'm thinking now are pressing on with the development around the Etihad and the, and the surrounding, surrounding areas. Uh, uh, have projects been put on hold or have they been killed forever or um, how, how are those progressing?
2: So the word here is, uh, I think, pragmatism and, and sensibility. Some of the projects uh, obviously continue, and as a matter of fact, uh, we see the sense of uh, expediting them. Other projects, uh, because of, again, the challenges that come with COVID, uh, we've had to put on pause. The expansion of the stadium, some of the, the changes that we wanted to do in the, in the hospitality, you know, we're going to have to figure out as it goes, what's going to be that experience uh, post-COVID in, in the stadium and what's going to work and what's not going to work. Uh, one thing is clear, is that we can't think in the same way. We have to uh, adjust and we have to accept that uh, what COVID has done will have an impact uh, on the future, and that we have to be you know, ready to, uh, to adjust to that. We've made an investment as an, as an, as an example in a, in a team in Belgium, uh, LOMO, uh, which you know again falls within our, our, our strategy, but, uh, but we expedited it because the opportunity was there. Uh, we're looking at uh, maybe maybe making another move Um, in the French uh, uh, second division. So we're not going to shy away uh, when the opportunity arises, but we're also going to be pragmatic and sensible when it comes to uh, the overall investments.
1: On on a wider level, do you think football per se will be changed by the financial impacts caused by the worldwide lockdowns? And I'm thinking there of, you know, will some clubs go to the war? Will leagues have to be reorganised? How how do you think it will... impact football as a whole?
2: The challenge is is, is very big for football. That uh, is clear. And I think over the next 12 to 24 months, as football recovers uh, from COVID, you will see changes. Now, the magnitude of these changes, I think, really depends on many different things. But I believe, uh, particularly with the uh, The realities that COVID is is putting in terms of impact on revenue, impact on sponsors, impact on uh, uh, you know obviously uh, um, audience uh, at at the stadium and uh, and uh, the the revenues from from the stadium and hospitality these you know are are different from from uh, team to team and from league to league. Uh, So it's not consistent in terms of the, the the level of the impact. But the impact is there. Uh, The the impact is going to be very challenging.
1: You said goodbye to one legend this summer in David Silva and another one as of now is set to go in 10 months time. Has there or will there be any talks to persuade Sergio Aguero to stay? Um, Can you you talk about that?
2: You know, Chris, we've been very lucky and I think it's a testament to uh, the type of players we've had over the years to have players like uh, David Silva, uh, like Vincent Company, like Pablo Zabaleta, like uh, uh, Sergio Aguero that have committed and stuck with the team for many, many years. I think this is a, a testament to, the, uh, to these players, uh, their personalities, their commitment to, to Manchester, uh, their commitment to the club. And I think the relationship that we were able to build between, uh, between the club and these players, between the managers, and obviously, you know that whole ecosystem. You know, to have a player like uh, David Silva essentially commit 10 years of his life to this club, uh, to have a player like Sergio Aguero uh, again do the same. You know, I'm very proud of that. Uh, because it, 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 this is what tells me uh, we have it right. They are part of the you know the the, the the DNA of the club now, and the decision of them continuing or stopping. This is really it's the comfort zone that they have to decide, you know, in the same way with, uh, with Vincent, uh, you know, he left when he felt it was right for him to leave. Uh, and the same thing with, uh, with uh, David Silva, uh, Sergio is going to be the same and we're going to work it out together and uh, it will be very natural wherever that is, be it the next year or, the year or the year after, it will play out in a comfortable way, whatever Sergio decides. And
1: I guess... I'm going to get a similar answer to this one because it's a similar, similar question. Pep himself only has 10 months left on his contract as of now. Is this going to be his last season or do you think this can, his contract will be extended also?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're, first of all, you're right in asking the question, it's a very relevant question, but, but it's really this uh, a very similar answer I'm going to give. This conversation with Pep is a natural conversation. Uh, me and him have a very clear understanding. Uh, we have a clear understanding on what's right for the club and what's not. Uh, we have a clear alignment in terms of where we want where we see the future and what we want in terms of success uh, for the club. and uh, And I think again, uh, it's going to be a comfortable uh, conversation as we go, and uh, it will it will work out work out in the best way for Pep uh, for me and and for the club that'm I'm, I'm very comfortable about.
1: So there's no specific talks taking place or specific talks planned as of now it will just be a conversation over the over the coming weeks and months is that is that a
2: good summation everything will work out uh, naturally and in the right way and uh, i think we have the right people involved Um, we have the right trust in each other uh, and what's best will happen
1: the women's team have also had a busy uh, time of it in the transfer market just recently, and a big, a big shift. There seems to have been a concerted effort to elevate the women's team here in Manchester to a new, a new level this this season. Two USA World Cup winners have arrived. Gareth Taylor has become the new manager, and as we understand it, other high-profile stars are on the way. What, what was the thinking behind, uh, behind all this?
2: Well, Chris, we've been committed from the beginning to the women's game. I have, a, I have a very strong view. About how this game is going to evolve, and how uh, in the years to come uh, the women's game is going to continue to grow and 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 turn into a very important part uh, of football. So our commitment is consistent. Uh, the team we've built over the years has done very well. You know, finishing second again is not our target, but it shows you the consistency over the last four years in terms of how we were able to continue to put. A, a very strong group of players, a very competitive team with a great manager. And, and now, you know, we have a transition. Uh, Gareth comes in, uh, Nick moves on to uh, to New York. And uh, and I think, again, it's a great thing for me to see how we can continue, sh- continue to show uh, progress within the group, from Gareth coming from the academy, you know, taking on the head coaching role, to Nick moving from the women's team into um, uh, assistant coach in New York, the men's team, this group that we have provides incredible opportunity for development and growth to our coaching staff, to our players, to our individuals. And and that's, that's phenomenal. The women's game was going in the right direction. Uh, I think COVID is going to put a lot of pressure on it. I remain, remain very hopeful that uh, the game is going to be able to uh, withstand the challenges of of COVID, recover and come back. And I hope that within the Premier League uh, and within the, the teams in the UK, more clubs uh, give a commitment to the game because the more uh, commitment that comes in the more competitive it's going to be and the more sustainable it's going to be. We're going to be there. You know, Manchester City is going to be there. All our clubs around the world because we have a belief uh, in in the women's game and we will be committed uh, throughout and we will be supportive and we'll help help these leagues and and hopefully it will uh, it will grow. And in terms just just
1: finally you, you touched upon this the club in Belgium Morning, France may be coming. Um, how pleased are you with the way CFG uh, is working? How, how the model works?
2: I'm very pleased. You know, when, when Silver Lake came in, a, a world-class uh, institutional investor, took a view on our business model, took a view on the way we run things, and invested a lot of money to join uh, our shareholding base. I think that's a that's a huge validation. Uh, to uh, the strategy that we've been undertaking and the execution and success of that strategy now uh, since then we've added uh, obviously mumbai city lomo uh, in belgium becomes uh, the ninth club in the group and as i said uh, you know we're going to have uh, hopefully soon another club in the group the model works the strategy is uh, well uh, proven and um, and i think for us as a group you know it's no longer a question of validation or a question of is this uh, is this the right? I think now we, we've proven it works. And we've proven that it's uh, it's successful and, and beneficial and you know beneficial from a footballing sense, from a sporting sense, but also from a commercial and and revenue sense. Uh, I think many people are now starting to uh, to follow that path and uh, and and emulate it. And I think that's the biggest compliment to us. Uh, but I'm you know in short, I am I am confident and I'm very pleased with the way uh, the evolution has happened.
1: And it's not just in the boardroom. Uh, it's successful on the pitch
2: too, uh, which is very important to you, I know. Absolutely, absolutely, it goes hand in hand, Chris. Uh, you know, the business we're in, it's uh, it's it's about both. Uh, and you look at, you know, what we've been able to accomplish as an example with uh, Yokohama Marinos in Japan. I mean, Yokohama won the league for the first time in uh, more than 15 years. An incredible accomplishment. Uh, they did it in a, in, a, in a very effective way. I think we had the, in that case, in Yokohama. I think the ninth or 10th wage bill in the league. So to to have that and, and win the league in itself, I think is a, ref, is a, is a confirmation of the model uh, and our success in it. And that global model that we have in terms of the clubs all around the world. In Melbourne, uh, we just uh, finished the, the highest position we've ever had, second uh, in the league and we're entering the playoffs and we're playing a semi-final very shortly and, uh, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go from strength to strength there. Girona, Girona is, uh, is, is in the second division. We've made it to the playoffs. And then even in, in Torquay, uh, in the Uruguay, we're investing in our next CFA there. Uh, uh, Montevideo uh, City is, is now being developed. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's working. The model works and, and, and there's it, success both on and off the pitch.
0: Always a pleasure to hear from the chairman, and El Mubarak. He's always so measured and thoughtful, isn't he, when he speaks? He just makes me feel positive about the future and i think there's there's plenty of good things to come this season um so yeah thank you so much to caldoon for his time and thank you to chris bailey as well for asking such interesting questions if you enjoyed that make sure you subscribe to the man city podcast wherever it is you do you're listening Uh, and until next time take care and i'll see you soon